This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined by the owner, the editor, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. What's going on, Chris? Not much. Just, uh, you know, getting ready. Got a, got a few things to talk about today. Yes, indeed. And we have a very special guest with us. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But first, I have to point this out. Alan Schechter, who is the producer of the flagship here, the History Show, who does a great job and also works over at EmpireWritesBack.com covering all things New York sports, Texted me yesterday and decided to bust my chops by saying, why do you say a very special presentation of Turn on the Jets Digital every single time? (laughs) And the reason is because if I have Chris Nimbley on and he's a very big deal, then it's a very special presentation. So wrap your head around that, Alan, and put that in your pipe and smoke it. Flawless logic. I may not be right about everything, but I'm right about that. No question about it. And it's extra special today. Because we have a guest on the line with us who is, in fact, not a very big deal, but a Twitter legend. And that, of course, is co-host of What's Your Point here on Turn of the Jets Digital, contributor to ESPN Utica, Mr. Pauly Brzez. What's going on, Pauly? Hey, guys. What's going on? It's, uh, it's, it's rarefied air this time for me to be on. Usually, I'm the most important one when I'm recording with you or <laughs> Delvin, whoever it might be, but... but but I can I can concede to the very big deal that is uh, the one, the only, Chris Nimbley. And I have to tell the story real quickly about why I referred to you as a Twitter legend. Our friend, Mr. Kyle Fahey, he of the 12 years old and co-host of the Jet Take <laughs> with Ben Blessington, one day we were talking in the TOJ group chat, and he said to Ben that he had booked you as a guest. And Ben said, no, he's one of us. He's not a guest. He's just a caller. We're not using him as like a featured guest. And then he said, yeah, it's like when Scott calls. We don't bill him as a guest. He just calls in. And Fahey goes, no, you don't understand. Paulie's a big name. He's a Twitter legend. And that just cracked me up so hard. So I texted Paulie. And I said, hey, Paulie, did you know that you're a Twitter legend? And Paulie's exact words were, in total Paulie fashion, that's right and don't you forget it. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm all for... I'm all for positive gimmicks, and, and if, if, that's what, if that's what the young ones look up to, I'm all for it. <laughs> setting an example one day at a time, Paulie. But you know who else is setting an example? And that is Mike McCagnin, setting the example of not going out and getting Antonio Brown. We've been talking about this a lot. The deal finally happened. Antonio Brown goes to the Raiders for a third and a fifth round pick. He gets a bunch of extra guaranteed money. I believe it's now $30 million over the next three years in guarantees. His salary goes up now to what would amount to about $17 million plus a chance to earn an extra couple more. So he gets $4 million a year raise, which could become five or six, I believe, based on incentives. If this was some sort of Brian Pillman routine where it was all a chess play and he's been acting crazy to try and A, get himself out of there, B, get himself more money, and C, screw over the Steelers in the process because they had to sell him cheap and on top of it, absorb a massive cap at $21 million in dead money to trade an all-pro wide receiver. What a time to be alive, gentlemen. If that was the play by Antonio Brown, cool. But if not, and it's more what it seems to be on the surface, which, Chris, what you said yesterday rings true to me, that he was trying to force himself out in an NBA way, but that at the same time, there's legitimately a screw loose there. 
there's some risks involved, and I'm going to run through this real fast, and I don't want to beat this to death. I'll throw this to you guys, and we'll kind of move on. We'll get our thoughts, and we won't go too crazy about it because we've talked about it so much. But the way I look at it is if each of these things were individual, on their own, they wouldn't be that big of a deal. So if he was just looking for more guaranteed money, fine. If he was a little screwy, fine. If he was going to cost you draft compensation, fine. But you put all of those things together and the fact that with the Jets, you have a situation where you've got a 21-year-old quarterback who you might not want this guy around. You have a coach who had trouble controlling the locker room in Miami. You also have a team that doesn't have a lot of draft picks because their second and sixth round pick are both gone. When you put all of that together, I don't think this would have been the right move for the Jets on top of the fact that he's kind of a little loony, it seems. With the Raiders, I still think this is going to work out very poorly for them because you're looking at a team that is nowhere close to winning. They have one of the worst rosters in the league. Derek Carr has not been good, and we don't even know for sure that he's going to be the quarterback. There's been whispers about him getting traded somewhere. I think this was the type of move that you make if you're a team like the Patriots or a team like the Packers or a team like the Colts where you have a culture in place or you have a star quarterback or you're a team that's close to winning because then you're making that T.O. gambit, which is you bring them in, you figure maybe it lasts a year or two before it blows up, but in the meantime, you can make a run the way that Philly did going to the Super Bowl with Terrell Owens. If you're a team like the Raiders, I guess the logic is they have so many draft picks that it's not the worst thing in the world if they lose a third and a fifth round pick. But the other end of this becomes bizarre because I just don't understand going out and making a move like this when you have such a terrible roster. Again, feels like a move for a contending team or a team with a strong culture and a really good quarterback. That's just my opinion. I'm curious what you guys think. Chris, you go first. What are your thoughts on Antonio Brown and the deal to Oakland? Yeah, I agree with you. You know, if if the Jets were ready to compete for the Super Bowl this year, if if that was one of the only holes they had, then it's a different story. But all you know, they're not going to be able to be that good and competing that much, even with Antonio Brown and him on his best behavior this year. By the time they're probably ready, then Brown's going to slip a little bit more. And, you know, here's the thing. It's uh, like I've said all along, I think Brown was doing the NBA thing. But just like you you said, there's also more to it than just that. He's he forced his way out, but he is also a bit different and uh, a bit crazy. And I get that people are going to criticize Mac for this. I get it. And go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. But at the same time, even if Mac was got fired this offseason, I don't think that the Jets would have been interested in Brown. I don't think that uh, Adam Gase wants anything to do with Brown. I don't think Christopher Johnson wants anything to do with Antonio Brown. And I don't think they want anything to do with having him influencing you know, Sam Darnold in the locker room and we can debate on how much, you know, that should come into the equation or not, but that's what they feel. And, but the bottom line is here is Antonio Brown won. He won. He got what he wanted. He made a mess. He got out of uh, Pittsburgh. He doesn't have to deal with Ben Roethlisberger anymore. He's empowered. He got the new money, the new contract he had because he didn't have guarantees in Pittsburgh anymore. He has them now. And the Steelers are the big losers in this because not even a year ago, their two best players are now no longer going to be on their roster. They got nothing out of Bell last year. 
They got nothing in the Week 17 game out of Antonio Brown, missed the playoffs, and now they're going to have to eat that dead cap and just take a third and five back in return. But for the Jets, I, I get fans being upset about it, but it just it never seemed like this was a good and logical fit. It just seemed to be, like you said, there's just too much, too many things individually that could have been fine, but add it all up together and they they just weren't going to be involved in this. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I will say this, Chris. He may have won as far as getting more money, but talk to me about midway through the season when he's all upset because the team is terrible and he's not getting the ball because the quarterback that's thrown to him can't hit him on targets. Then he might that's not right. have won. He won in the money department, but we'll see. <coughs> Paulie, what are your thoughts? Like we talked about, you know, there's many things to be critical of McCagnan over, and this this one is not it. Um, we've got 72 hours before we get to get in full. Um, to save your energy. Yeah, yeah, so save your energy. I mean, sure, I mean, it looks like they stole him because it was a third and a fifth, but our draft capital is really low. Um, I'm over the, the discussion of people are like, well, McCagnan can't draft, so we don't need the picks anyways. Well, that's not how you really build a roster. Um, you know, Brown is amazing. I, I love Antonio Brown, but – but bringing all of the baggage that he has, like you said, it's not one thing, it's multiple things. Um, and bringing that into this locker room with someone like Gase, um, I don't think the Jets want it to turn bad on them. I mean, can you just imagine if, if before free agency that it wasn't the Bills who Antonio Brown said he didn't want to play for, it was the Jets? I mean, if the Jets got yeah. seriously involved here and it wasn't just a due diligence call and, and it was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it's New York, but I don't want to go play for the Jets. I mean, that's a really bad look, you know days before free agency when when the Jets need to make some serious moves to upgrade their upgrade their franchise and and Antonio Brown tells your team no um that would have been a terrible way to start off um the process so while I think that you know it would have been great to add a player like Brown um when it's when you take everything into account this this isn't something to to get on McCagnan's case for because um you know it's not like like if they were going after you know Beckham which uh, I think Beckham gets a lot of terrible, uh, you know, slander his way because of how he, you know, quote unquote acts. Um, I don't think anything that, that Beckham does, um, it's nothing off the field. It's nothing crazy. It's a lot of passion on the field. And I think he gets criticized for that a ton. Obviously, the Jets and Giants aren't going to do business. But I think if, it's a, if it was a player like Beckham and the Jets weren't at least trying to attempt to get him from the Giants, then you can go ahead and, 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 and kind of, criticize McCagnin, but for him to say uh, no thanks to to Antonio Brown, I'm perfectly fine with at this point. Yeah, and I'll add this. The fact that so many teams did nothing more than due diligence calls tells you a lot about where a lot of these general managers and owners were on the question of Antonio Brown, not to mention coaches as well. And by the way, this is not to absolve the Steelers by any stretch. They handled, as Chris and I were talking off the phone, both Bell and Brown poorly. And on top of it, we've heard all the stuff that's going on with Ben Roethlisberger. So he's a key contributor to all of this. But all of that said, I agree with you guys. I just don't think that this was the move for the Jets. And we'll see if it works out for Oakland. But I wouldn't be surprised if in a year or two they are thinking to themselves, what did we get ourselves into? But I guess for the gamble of a third and a fifth, they figure with all the extra draft picks they have, why not go ahead and do it? But you don't need Antonio Brown here anyway, guys, because Daniel Fells could be on the way. So let's talk about this. 
There are rumors now that Daniel Fells, who is a blocking tight end and is also 33 years old in Cleveland, could be on the Jets' radar via trade. So let's cut right to the chase here. Why would they do this? And I joked with you guys before we started recording. This feels like trading for a 33-year-old version of Eric Tomlinson because Fells is a guy that's mostly known for his blocking, but he wasn't very good at blocking last year for the Browns. He had a rough year. I don't see why you would trade a draft pick for a guy like this, especially at age 33 when you could just go into the draft and get somebody or sign a blocking tight end without having to give up a draft pick. But maybe there's something I'm missing. Chris, you're a very big deal. Is there something I'm missing here? No, there's nothing you're missing here. Like, Obviously, let's just start with the fact that if they were interested in trading, we're not talking about a high draft pick here. We're talking about a late-round draft pick. And... But even thinking a seventh is probably too much. Like, Dan, who's real? What type of market out there is for people trying to trade for Daniel Fellows? Obviously, McCagnan's had some success with the, trading away those late round picks for players before. But I have a feeling this would fall into the Rashad Robinson category of not being successful there. Um, it just doesn't make sense. There's other guys you can go out and sign. This is a deep uh, tight end class. You can try to draft somebody, even if you're resigned to the fact that they're probably not getting, you know, one of the Iowa guys. There's other moves you can make there. And Daniel felt they absolutely need to get another tight end, particularly a, a blocking tight end. It'd be great if they could get a blocking tight end who can also catch the ball. But, uh, Daniel Fellows, don't waste your time trading for him. Don't just, what's the point? This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I'll tell you what this move would remind me of. Zach Stacy. That's exactly what this yes. move would be if the Jets went ahead and did this. What do you think, Paulie? Well, what I don't understand is, and it may be something where the teams like swap sevenths, and I'm like, okay, well, at least we kept the pick. But at the, at the end of the day, if you're looking for a blocking tight end, one who's, who's younger, and did want to maybe kind of branch out into being more of a pass catcher than he was in New England, Dwayne Allen was out there free to sign. And, the, I mean, he went and visited the Dolphins, and that was it. And, I mean, I understand he took one visit, but at least, you know, trying to get him in. I mean, go and sign a guy where you don't have to give up a draft pick for who is younger, who has more upside than a Daniel Fells. Uh, Daniel Fells is, again, a blocking tight end, but we've seen what Dwayne Allen has done in New England. So it's just, to me, like I said, if they're swapping sevens, then whatever, it's a moot point. It's not like they're losing a draft pick, and it is the seventh round. But, like, at the end of the day, if you're just going to be like, okay, here's a seventh, now we have five draft picks, what are you doing? That's not – I mean, it's just pointless at this point. So I, I think they should have been more in on Dwayne Allen. Like I said, he only made one trip, so, you know, you're not sure how much how much chance they had there. But it doesn't make much sense to me um, for them to go after a player like Fells. I know they want a blocking tight end, but, again, like Chris said, you know, draft somebody or, you know, check the market for some other guys who are available. But it just it doesn't make much sense for, for the Jets to be interested in a 33-year-old tight end. That's not going to, you know, really contribute to the offense other than just block. And I should add, since Pauly touched on it, Dwayne Allen goes to Miami two years, $7 million. So I'm with you on that, Pauly. If you're going to add a tight end, and even though Dwayne Allen wants to catch the ball more, he is known for his blocking. So that would have been a smart move if you're looking to go that route. Jets that were on the roster in 2018 that they're looking to bring back. Looks like Andre Roberts, Henry Anderson, and Jason Myers, Michael Nanny's favorite player of all time, are all in discussions to potentially stay. Chris, what are you hearing on this? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously there should be no surprise that uh, 
they want Roberts and Myers back. Both of them had career years, great years, and for the first time, and and Jesus, how uh, since Westhoff was here, the Jets actually had a competent and good special teams, let alone having one of the best special teams units in the league. Uh, so they're going to look to go ahead and, and bring both of them back. I expect both of them to get done. Uh, I would expect probably both of them to get done before midnight tonight, actually. But we'll wait and see. I, you know, it's not like I think there's going to be a huge, huge market for either of them. So it's there's no reason for the Jets to not be able to bring them back. No one's going to come in and offer either of them so much money that the Jets can't get involved with it. The um, Henry Anderson one is a little interesting, though, because, uh, you know, we've gone back and forth on this. Are they switching to a 4-3, three, three, staying with a 3-4? But I, the players in that locker room love Henry Anderson. The Everybody, I, obviously, McCagney is still there, but the coaching staff is gone. But everybody, well, most of it, uh, everybody raved about it. They loved the way he worked. He played really well. He was one of their most productive uh, players at the front of that line. And uh, he, he, I'd imagine he'd have a little more competition, but I think they're still going to look to try to bring him back. They want that continuity with him, what he brings in the locker room. And then we can all, if that's the case, it's something I'm rooting for, so we can all sit there and watch his fiance slash wife, wherever they're at now, favorite everybody's tweets because that makes me way happier than it should. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Paulie, I know for a fact that on Sundays you would tweet nice things about Anderson, even if he wasn't doing anything that stood out because you wanted his wife to like your tweets, right? Uh, I can I can confirm this. Um, but, hey, every, everything that I would tweet is true. So it's not like, uh, you know, it, it, yeah. I was just doing it to, to get, well, you know what I mean. Like, I wanted, I wanted the likes, but, but everything was true, like I said. Um, you know, those three players I expect back, um, you know, with Andre Roberts, he, he brought something to special teams that we haven't seen in a while, like Chris said. Um, and it was actually really refreshing. I expected nothing from him, um, you know, with camp and everything. He kind of started a little slow, but, um, you know, what he did last year, that he absolutely should and will be back. Um, same for Myers. I mean, we we were looking for kickers. There was kicker debates. Um, you know, we wanted Dan Bailey because, obviously, Dan Bailey was a name, and Myers came in, and he, he did everything and more. Um, you know, he made the Pro Bowl. So um, I was really happy with those guys. But um, back to Henry Anderson. Um, you know, the way he plays, that's the kind of player you want this on this team. Um, you know, he's full motor all the time, uh, doesn't quit. Uh, like Chris said, he's a good guy in the locker room, which is good to hear, um, and the players like him. But just, you know, everything he does, every time he's on the field, he's all hustle. Um, I'm sure, obviously, that's, you know, the generic white guy defensive end. Love uh, but, guy. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's that's what you need. And, and, and the, the fact that he, that he had as many sacks as he did last year, um, you know, he's a player with, like I said, we don't know what defense they're going to run. There's been so much up and down. Uh, but I think that Greg Williams can find a spot for him on this defense to be productive. And uh, I'm happy to have all three of them back, you know, if and when they sign. One guy that already did sign is Jonathan Harrison, who played a little bit of center last year when Spencer Long was hurt. He didn't play all that well, but obviously it would be hard to have been worse than Spencer Long, and I'll still admit I was a big fan of that signing at the time. I think it was defensible because Spencer Long was pretty good in Washington. Didn't work out here. Oh, well, we'll see what he does in Buffalo, but 
His backup, who was a spot starter when Spencer Long got hurt, Jonathan Harrison sticks around. He re-signs cheap depth. I mean, that's really all this comes down to, and I think it's a good move because you can never have enough bodies, and even if Harrison's nothing special, you know that in a pinch you can throw him in there. Yeah, the, right now I'm going to say it's a good move. If they go out and they sign a Paradise, then it's a great signing. Mm-hmm. If they don't address and they don't upgrade the center elsewhere and Jonathan Harrison is your starting center, then it becomes much less of a good move. <laughs> We're talking about going to bad move range, but I don't think that's going to be the case. If you know, I'm not saying they definitely sign Paradise, but maybe they draft somebody or they sign a Mitch Morris or somebody else. Um, but for if a depth purposes, being able to play him at center and either of the guard spots, it's a really good move here. It's just like I said, if they end up with him having to start, then then the move becomes less good. What do you think, Paulie? Yeah, exactly what Chris said. I couldn't agree more. Like he said, if he's the if he's just starting on the line on week one, then it, and it wasn't because of an injury. Um, then we have an issue, but it's a good depth signing. You can play multiple positions, which is key, uh, especially when you have backup, uh, you know, players on your line because, you know, maybe you don't have as many linemen going into week one because you've got a guy that can swing to a couple positions. But, but if they don't go out and they don't sign a guy like Paradis or Morse or Saffold and and Harrison is, you know, on the line week one, uh, then it was a bad signing. But right now, like Chris said, it's it's a good signing depending on what else is done. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Quick note, follow-up from yesterday. Chris and I talked about Carlos Hyde. He signed with Kansas City, so if Mike McCagnan was thinking about signing him, now he can't think about it, and I guess this would be another case of Mac being saved from himself. Last thing before we get to our final free agency predictions, guys. I did a double take this morning when I looked at Pro Football Talk and I saw the name Vinny Testaverde, but that's because it was early in the morning and I hadn't shaken out the cobwebs yet. It's actually Vincent Testaverde, Vinny's son, who is a quarterback at Albany, is looking to get a shot at the league. I guess this is kind of like the Matt Sims thing. Maybe the Jets will give him a look just based on legacy. Vinny, a very popular Jet. I think his son, if he came in here trying to win a roster spot, could be a fan favorite just based on the name and the heritage. What do you guys think? Should the Jets maybe give him a look at training camp or something? Oh, first, I I did the same exact thing as you did. I had about three sips into my coffee uh, when I'm looking, and I I swear I said Vinny, and then I read it again, and it changed to Vincent. So, you know, that that fifth or sixth sip of coffee is what did it for me. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I I would totally not be surprised at all. You see him get a training camp invite, invite, you know, a rookie tryout type thing. They keep him around for a camp arm. It makes all the sense in the world. That's that's people like him are the exact exact reason for some of those uh you know rookie tryouts and that keep around for camp arms and people want it you know yes you want somebody you can hopefully develop uh, it's not going to happen you camp arms you would like that there's only so many people that have any chance to develop so you bring in somebody who has ties to the area ties to the organization and you know let us reporters crank out a couple stories about it and get fans interested and excited about something that's completely meaningless as having a fifth quarterback in training camp. Yeah, I mean, I, the same thing with Chris. I mean, I remember uh, reading his name in a couple articles and seeing the name at, at Albany, and I was like, wait, is that Benny's kid? And then obviously when I looked into it a little bit, it was. But yeah, why not? I mean, it, it's something for people to talk about and say, oh, you know, Benny Testaverde's kid's getting a shot with the Jets. I mean, everybody knows that 
you know, he's not going to be the starting quarterback or anything, but to have a camp arm and then maybe he can catch on and, you know, next year play in the AAF and develop a little bit, um, you know, but it's, it's a good feel, good story. Somebody like, like Chris said, with ties to the area and, and the franchise. So, so why not give him a shot? And I mean, he's going to be at camp one day and, you know, can do some stuff for the website, for the team and stuff like that. So why not? Quick note before we move on to our final free agency predictions. We were talking about Darren Fells. We said Daniel. It's a little confusing because there's a bunch of Fells that are all tight ends. Daniel Fells was a tight end. He played for the Giants for a little bit. You have David Fells, and then there's Darren, who's the tight end on the Cleveland Browns. So our mistake there, but we were talking about Darren Fells. Now let's get to our final free agency predictions. I'll start. I'm going to make my prediction of who the Jets are going to end up getting. I'm going to say that they're going to get Tevin Coleman. I don't think that they're going to make a strong push for Le'Veon Bell. I think maybe they check in and see what he wants, but I think ultimately they have their mind set on Tevin Coleman. They're going to offer him a pretty hefty amount of money. I think Gase probably feels like he could turn him into a star in his offense. I think Gase is wrong. I think he'll be fine in the offense, but a star, no way. You'll have to add another running back on top of him, and he's not Le'Veon Bell, but I think that's where they're going with that. I think they'll add a receiver of some sort. I don't know if it's going to be Amendola, but I think it's going to be somebody along those lines. It could be Cole Beasley. I'm not sure. I don't think that they're going to go after Golden Tate or anything like that. On the offensive line, I don't think that they're going to get Paradis. I think maybe they get Mitch Morse. They'll probably sign a guard. Not sure that it's going to be Saffold. I think it might be somebody like Quentin Spain. Defense is where I think they spend their money, and I think what's going to happen there is they're going to end up with Dante Fowler, and I think that they'll probably sign somebody else on the defensive line and another interior linebacker. I think they'll dip their toe in the C.J. Mosley water, but they won't actually end up doing anything there. They'll probably bring back Buster Screen on a one-year deal and sign another veteran quarterback, but nobody of note. Maybe Bryce Callahan, if he doesn't get big money early on, they'll bring him in as a slot corner, but I think they probably end up reverting to screen. And I think this is going to be another disappointing year where just like last year, they had all this money and we were all excited and the only big name so to speak that they brought in here was Tremaine Johnson I think that there will be one big signing and it's going to be Tevin Coleman and it's really not that big in my opinion so just my thoughts just my hunch of what's going to happen I'd love to be wrong but I think Tevin Coleman is going to be the big takeaway once the dust settles in the whole free agency mess Chris what do you think yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, especially we'll start with uh, the Le'Veon Bell, Tevin Coleman thing. I think, you know, as a part of what you said with uh, Gase thinking that he can turn Coleman into that type of player. And then part of, again, I don't think we're paying enough attention to Gase's history of, of not wanting to work with certain players, more vocal players. Um what he did in Miami, driving uh, certain players out. So I don't, I don't think that there's going to be a real move there to go after Bell, even though they should. Um, I, I could see them signing Paradis. I don't, I don't see them signing, you know, Paradis, Saffold, and then Assembly or something along those lines. I, I could see them signing Paradis and then making a move like with Spain, like you said. And then on defense, or well, with receiver, uh, I'll think they'll add a slot receiver. You know, whether that's Tate, Humphreys, Crowder, I think, or Cole Beasley, or Danny Amendola. I expect them to sign one of those guys. I don't think you'll see them go with one of the outside guys, a Funches or anything like that. And then on defense, 
I think you're going to see him make a run at Trey Flowers. I think I think we can expect them to go after Anthony Barr pretty hard. Uh, I can definitely see Buster Screen coming back, and I could see them going after a, a Bryce Callahan or a Brianne Bodie Calhoun, another guy to you know play in the spot slot, or like we talked about yesterday, Lamarcus Joyner to be a slot safety hybrid. I could definitely see all that. I don't expect them to go, you know, give another big money contract to a Ronald Darby or something like that on the outside, though. But uh, they'll be busy in free agency, and they're going to spend money in free agency. I just don't think that they're going to be going after enough of the top tier guys that will enough to satisfy Jets fans. And I think they're still going to end up with plenty of money left to spend when this is all said and done. And that'll frustrate fans, understandably so. And I think even if they do go after a bunch of them, the odds of them signing a bulk of the guys that are at the top of people's lists is very low. So I expect them to come away with one, maybe two of the guys that a lot of people have been pushing. And I don't even know if that's going to happen. What do you think, Paulie? Well, you know, we've done predictions and, you know, guesses at nauseum. So I'm going to kind of go in a little different direction and just kind of, you know, reiterate what I did in my tweet last night when it comes to what needs to be done in this offseason. Um, like I said, McCagna needs to operate um, as if his job is on the line, whether it is or whether it isn't. Um, you know, we don't know what was said before they had the coaching hire, but um, he's got to hit a home run in all aspects of this offseason. You know, while he might not land some of the top tier guys, he has to land enough enough guys that are going to improve this roster. Um, you know, I know you mentioned names like Fowler, you know, Anthony Barr, things along the defensive line, and obviously Paradis and Morse and, and, and Saffold. But he's got to go out and he's got to build this roster because this can't be a five-win team next year. Um, this team has to be vastly improved. Now, I'm not saying this team needs to go out and make the playoffs because, like we've discussed before, I'm not a playoff mandate guy because um, the playoffs should always be the goal for you when you start the season. Um, you know, regardless of your previous season. But this team needs to be vastly improved from five wins. Um, so he's got to go out there. He's got to operate. He's got to get things done. Um, but to say I'm hopeful that that happens, um, I can't say that McCagney has earned my trust or my belief that he will do that. Uh, but I'm just I'm just stating the fact that that's, that needs to be how he operates. So uh, it's going to be interesting when the legal tampering window starts uh, at midnight tonight. Um, to kind of see, because that's kind of where you see like those agreed in principle deals and rarely do they fall apart and they end up getting signed, you know, on the, the league year. Uh, but McKagan has to go out and he has to be aggressive. Um, and again, like I said, I'm not positive that's going to happen, but I'm just stating that is what needs to happen. Um, he has to operate as if, you know, as soon as as soon as week 17 ends next year, if the Jets aren't a vastly improved team, um, he he needs to be operating like that's going to be his his day of, of, of firing. Last bit of business before we go, guys. I want you to tell me who you think the first free agent the Jets will sign will be. And once the smoke clears with all free agency, what you think Jets fans' reactions are going to be overall to what the Jets have done. So I'll start. I think Tevin Coleman's their first signing, and I think Jets fans are going to be very disappointed and very vocally disappointed and upset once free agency is over. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to go with Coleman, but I'll, I'll switch it up just to be a little different, and I'll say that they go with Anthony Barr first, and then they go with Coleman second. Paulie? Uh, I'm going to say that they're going to address the O-line first, uh, either Paradis or Saffold. Uh, but, you know, no matter what happens at the end of free agency, we all know how Jets fans are. Everybody's not going to be thrilled until they see performance on the field. Um, 
again, a guy like Fowler, who I love, it's blind love, and I know everybody dislikes, but he's been a name that's been tied with the Jets, you know, since he was in the draft. Um, I think he is a player that's going to be brought in. I do think that a lot of people are going to be absolutely miserable about it, but I am of the belief with bias aside that I'm interested to see that if Greg Williams gets his hand on a player like Fowler, if that untapped potential, which we saw towards the end of the season with the Rams, is something that Greg could really dig into and, and get more out of him. Um, but like I said, I think we're going to see something like a Paradis and then maybe Anthony Barr are, are the two guys that they, they land first. Going to be a wild ride over the next day or two, and it's all going to start at midnight, technically Monday morning, but as we mostly know it, Sunday night. Can't wait for it to start. Boys, thanks so much for hopping on with me. Chris, you and I will talk tomorrow, and I'm going to get to you last because, of course, you're a very big deal. You're the cleanup hitter. Before that, though, Paulie, since you're not going to be on tomorrow, but you are a Twitter legend, so everybody's going to be looking for your Twitter takes. For anybody that's foolish enough to not be following you on Twitter, why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can do that? Yep, uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Paulie, P-A-U-L-I-E underscore B-R-U-Z. Uh, as always, I'm always tweeting something, whether it's about sports, wrestling, pop culture stuff. Um, I try to keep it light and fun because there's not enough of that anymore. So, you know, give me a follow. We'll be talking everything and anything over the next week or so, uh, whether it's doom and gloom or happiness. Uh, that's where you can find it. And you'll find out exactly why he is a Twitter legend. And if you follow Chris Nimbly, you'll find out exactly why he is a very big deal. And you'll also find that out if you go to his website and check out his work. Right, Chris? Absolutely. You can find uh, the website jetsinsire.com. Follow me at Twitter at jetsinsire.com or at cnimbly. And yeah, we'll have pl- plenty of stuff coming for you uh, for this free agency period. And uh, this will be an interesting wild ride to see how this all plays out and uh, to see the fans' reaction to everything because, you know, Jets fans aren't a notoriously level-headed with this stuff (laughs) if there's one thing you could say about jets fans it's that they're level-headed no question go ahead and follow paulie follow chris go to jetsinsider.com and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts you know where to go let's turn on the jets digital and turn on the jets.com